Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is episode 52 with Chris Baki. Are you looking for business school without the BS? Maybe you want to learn leadership from the very best. Learn how to hire, inspire, or fire. Or maybe you want to start or grow your business. Why not check out thrive15.com forward slash nomads. Trainings are broken up into 15-minute episodes that are guaranteed to make you learn in a practical way. You can learn from world-class mentors like Lee Cockrell, David Robinson, and Michael Levine. Check it out, www.thrive15.com forward slash nomads. Or you could just enter thrive15.com and enter the promo code nomads, and you should have 30 days of free access of inspired world-class training for a tenth of the cost of business school www.thrive15.com forward slash nomads. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have with me Chris Baki. Actually, rhymes with hockey. And uh, he's a travel blogger, professional photographer, author who's lived abroad for over six years. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me, Tayo. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic on this 6 a.m. morning, so I'm ready. Oh, I'm yeah. <laughs> good and ready to go. <laughs> the, wonders of, the wonders of doing a podcast when we're on different sides of the planet. <laughs> and no, it, it works out well. Now, you know, I couldn't think of a better way to start my morning because uh, now after this, I'm just going to get a workout and I'm, I'm done and it's on. So well, I, I did a little intro to you there. Why don't you tell us about who Chris Baki is and the kind of things you're involved in. Well, uh, I'm first and foremost a travel blogger and an author. Um, I love traveling to places that aren't as obvious or aren't as seen by tourists. Uh, I love going off the beaten path, finding the bizarre destinations tourists don't know about. And I love telling the stories and finding out what there is to see there. Um, I left the States in 2008 to teach English in Korea. I lived in Korea for about five years and then moved to Thailand. And since moving to Thailand, I've been writing and doing photography and uh, writing books. Ah, so it sounds to me like you're you're quite the storyteller. Uh, that's what draws you in. I try try to be. I try to be. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I love that because I, I you know I share your your love for telling stories. I often think that you know one um, stories are a huge way to connect to people. I think 
a lot of people can relate depending on whatever story is shared and i think it's a good platform for sure exactly so, all right all right so, so when you left the states what would you say really really drew you to travel why did you feel drawn to that well the thing that happened uh Back in, so I'm going to rewind here. This is now late 2007. I had been teaching uh, computer classes at the local library and delivering newspapers in the early morning. So I'm basically working two part-time jobs. It's several years after graduating college, and I'm kind of feeling like life's just, just not doing. It's it, this is not the lifestyle I signed up for. Right. Uh, so about six months after I started this this te computer teaching job, it's basically the same sort of thing every day. More often than not, the classes start with this is like a computer basics type class. This is a free community class offered at the local library. Anyone can sign up and, and participate. You don't have to be a genius or whatever. The first class would always start with, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, come on in and have a seat. My name is Chris. I'll be your teacher. Let's go ahead and get started with computer basics. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a keyboard. <laughs> this is a mouse. This is a hard drive. And we would quite literally start with these you know, 40, 50-something-year-old adults uh, who kind of had their mind blown at this two-hour class. And <laughs> the, 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 the second half of this first class is always a mouse tutorial. This is how to left-click. Wow. This is how to right-click. Yeah. This is how to double-click. And this is, it's, uh, it was a program that was sponsored by Microsoft. Obviously, they have an incentive in making sure you know how to use a mouse. And without fail, every time someone would ask, why don't we double-right-click? <laughs> And I thought, you know, that's actually a pretty good question. I don't actually know why we don't correct. Like, you should write, you should write Microsoft and ask them. Uh, <laughs> so, after about six months, uh, one of the one of the guys at the library resigned. He moved, and there was a full time job opening. And I was a part time guy already there, doing a good job. So naturally, I was first in line. Um, and so, at some point, I kind of began wondering. Am I, am I doomed to spend the rest of my life at the library teaching computer classes and filing books? Perfectly awesome lifestyle for some folks, but at this time, I'm 25, kind of hoping to do something more with life. I uh, did some random searches online. I think I found a, an English teaching job in Korea. And so the first thing you think of when you see something exciting like that, you go, well, can I do that? Is that, is that possible? Am I qualified for that? And so you read the job description, and it says all you need is a, a bachelor's degree, any discipline. You have to be a native English speaker. You have to be from one of the seven countries Korea considers like a first world English language country. So U.S., Canada, uh, the U.K., South Africa, and so on. Um, and you also have to have a willingness to uh, come to Korea. Some teaching experience was preferred but not required. So I thought, okay, I'm kind of ticking the boxes here. So let's send off the resume. And the next day I get a call from a recruiter who wants me to do an interview with him. Okay, yeah, sure. So in the span of a week, I go from thinking about can I actually do this to holy crap, I just got a job in Korea. <laughs> and that's crazy. Right? <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, you think about a job search; it can take weeks, it can take months. Yeah. And in the span of a week, I went from 
sending an email to getting an email back that said, you've got the job, let's get the visa paperwork started. And at that point, I kind of go, wow, okay. This is is happening. This this is really happening, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So uh, fast forward to March 2008. I've arrived in Korea. I've been picked up by uh, the school's driver, and I'm being shown to my apartment. And uh, the director lets me borrow his cell phone. He lets, lets my parents know that I've arrived safely and all that. And then you have that, holy crap, what's really happening here? Am I, am I still dreaming or, you know, you, you kind of feel that way after a really long plane flight. It doesn't matter who you are. But um, so after a couple of weeks in Korea, I began realizing that some of the expats there are the sort, they'd like to go to the same three bars. They'd go to the same four restaurants. They just didn't really add a whole lot of newness to their life. Um, so I began from a very early point, making it a point to visit at least one new place or event or destination or just something new every week, basically. I didn't want to be stuck in the same rut, the same routine that I was in uh, back in the States. Uh, so so that's what I did. And every week I would, I would travel somewhere new, I would take photos, and I started to blog uh, mm-hmm. before I left the States. And it was basically like everyone... My friends were all asking me, oh, you've got to tell me how Korea is. And I go, okay, sure. So one friend became five friends, and five friends became ten friends, and ten friends went, okay, look, look, I'll keep a blog. Read it if you want. Don't read it if you don't want. I don't have all this time to email everyone, or else that's all I'd be doing. Uh, <laughs> and then that's it. And then, and then yeah, for, so from there, um, about six months in, um, I'm on Blogspot at this point, I think I installed a hit counter just out of curiosity and checked back a while back and and there's a few thousand people reading this blog a month and I thought who are these people? How do they find me? And so um, I uh, kept blogging and kind of got a sense of what people liked to read and what I was what I was interested in writing and it was about 2010 that I took it a bit more seriously got to a a point where I began really focusing on uh, the weirder sort of destinations. Um, now, bear in mind, this is 2010. I had been in Korea for about two years, and Korea is about the size of Indiana or Portugal in Europe, so it's kind of a small country. Uh, it also helps you can get across the country, most anywhere, any place on the mainland, within a day. Wow. So, yeah, uh, went between the, the trains and the buses and everything else that's there. You can hypothetically visit almost any place in the country and return home that same day. So, uh, <laughs> two years feels like a long time to explore it. Uh, well, and you did that, I guess, in less than, I don't know how I many, you did that in months? <laughs> yeah, well, just about, yeah. There, there were some places where... I kind of went, okay, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to take a weekend and I'm going to go to this city. And I'm going to try to see what there is to see in this city. And when you do that, when you kind of make a theme like that, after about two years, you've seen the big cities, you've seen the mid-sized cities, you've seen most of the small cities, you've been to some of the rural areas, and you kind of go, okay, what now? Hmm. And you don't want to keep going back to the same place because part of the reason you started traveling was to get out of this rut, basically. And so I began looking for the weird places, the offbeat places, and continue that from there. It sounds like uh, traveling really brought out the adventure in you and you started to seek, uh, you know, almost like you're on this quest. 
and then in the meantime, you ended up building this this lifestyle that uh, you know that involved blogging and taking photos and things like that. And I guess that's essentially a lifestyle uh, entrepreneur type of business yeah. or digital nomad. So I, I'm just thinking that maybe there's someone out there thinking that they want to get into you don't want to be a digital nomad. They want to be able to go travel and also have a lifestyle that supplements what they you know their travels. What piece of advice would you give him or her? I'd start by telling them that it's possible. You have to listen to the people that are there to help you. You have to shut out the rejections. You have to shut out the people that don't know any better. Mm -hmm. You have to go a way that works for you. You will be turned down if you like you'll reach out to someone and try to do guest posts and you'll be turned down and you'll have to dust off your shoulder and try again um, it's not easy and it's not easy to do it well but if it's something you're passionate about you can make it work gotcha. um, so start start with the mindset that it can it can work it does work it is working with many people around the world it will continue to work because people are always coming up with new ways to tell a story or share a story that resonates with other people when it comes to the making money part that's something that's going to be different for everyone and it's going to be different for a lot of different reasons you're a unique person you have unique talents and uh times to do stuff so look at what other people are doing and then make something work with what you've got yeah I, I, you know this is something I've noticed from uh, you know from following people like yourself it's it's once you have that passion you have to let that and if you can marry that passion with you know using the internet you let it fuel you because um for example you know you, you're a travel photographer and then a blogger and then you find different ways to to make income off of that, you can talk. You could do your unique thing, maybe weird places in Thailand or weird temples and that. And then you have your own niche there. And then, you know, maybe you pitch that to the right person. And you have someone that you do this consistently for. Or it could be someone else that maybe they approach travel in a different, unique way. But it's all about finding your voice and then creating and crafting the business message around that. And then, uh, exactly, yeah. and it it also really helps to to put yourself in the mindset of a person that's going to be buying what you're selling. What are they looking for? What's their pain point? What can you offer that solves that pain point? And this kind of gets back into the same sort of problem that every entrepreneur has. How do I create something that people want? And in some cases, it's just it starts with asking someone what's what's their issue so tayo for example if i were in the the podcast editing world i might ask you tayo what's been your biggest issue with your podcasting and you might say man just editing a podcast it's a pain in the butt i hope i never have to do it again i'll hire someone to do it for me for the rest of my life yeah. and so from that i hear okay editing's the pain point or I might hear uh, logo designs, a pain point. I hate designing a logo. Mm -hmm. Or editing my book is a pain point. And so you hear these pain points, or you think about one you've had yourself, and you go, okay, can I solve that pain point? Is there something I can do? Yeah. No. And, and you build from there. Exactly. I was listening to something yesterday, and um, you were saying exactly what you were saying. It's when people are trying to find out what their quest is and what their passion is, uh, oftentimes the question you have to ask yourself is what bothers you 
Um, exactly. Someone's like, yeah, what bothers you and how can you solve that? Well, great, great. Or I don't know if you have something else to say. Seems like, oh, uh, yeah. You I was know. actually, well, I was actually going to say, uh, one of the things that it, the, the way I've kind of uh, done that myself uh, to give a, a real world example, I've written a dozen books and itineraries, over a dozen actually, and what they, the pain point they try to solve is a traveler that doesn't know how to get to the places they want to get to or they don't know where to go. Like they don't know which places they want to go to. You get a Lonely Planet or a, a moon guidebook, or any guidebook, really, and you're going to see hundreds, if not thousands, of places in a country. And it's overwhelming to try to choose, well, how do, how do I know which places are worth going to? So maybe you do some trip advisor reviews, maybe you do some research on some other websites, and you just get overwhelmed with this amount of information. And so... Uh, what the itineraries do, they basically say, this is the place to go, these are the directions to get there, and this is the best way to go. Yeah. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to route you from one place to the next, to the next, to the next, and you don't have to think about, well, how do I find a bus, or where do I find the bus? It's all there in the directions. It tells you to catch bus 37 at this bus stop, and then look for the red building on the left and get off there, you know. So it's meant to be, it's meant to make travel simpler and easier for people who think trying to choose places is one of the tough parts. Absolutely, and you know the audience. A lot, a lot of my audience, they're well traveled. They're digital. They're, I mean, some of them might be digital nomads, but they're nomads, third culture kids, and things like that. And uh, what they they would find is they're they're innately um, skilled in this type of things, where they they can make travel easier, and it's all exactly about, yeah. So they can be a voice, and they can speak to an audience maybe in a way that a textbook would not do and say hey you know this is somewhere I went this is a new path that people don't talk about and then you could do that so it's cr being creative and then um, using a platform I think internet makes the world such a, a flat world now uh, that anything is almost possible with with just the way you craft your messages so exactly alright alright so let's dive into your personal life I'm just curious because you've been traveling for about six years now, where, where do you where do you fit? You know the, the personal side. So what's the work life balance? Or I, I, you're you're married, I believe. I am married. I actually met my wife in Korea. Oh, that works. Uh, out. Speak, speaking of flat world, here's your flat world story for today. Okay. American American meets Canadian in Korea, gets married in Korea, moves to Thailand. Wow. Okay. So the, 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 there's a there's a, there's a level two to that actually. Okay. So my wife is a professional translator. She translates Korean to English. Uh, for a recent project she was working on, she was working for a Bulgarian video game company with a manager that lived in Egypt that was originally from Germany. Hmm. So you basically so to put it together, you have a Canadian translating Korean to English working for a Bulgarian video game company with a contact in Egypt who's originally from Germany. That's crazy. I love the flat world. No, that is so crazy. I mean, it's all... So, it wasn't enough that uh, Canada was just north of America, but you had to go all the way to Korea to find your neighbor that would be back That's home. Well, the, 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 cra the crazy thing is I, if I... I would have never met her. Exactly. Uh, in, uh, in, in our own countries. Even if I had, it, it does take a travel across the world to uh, to find what you're really looking for sometimes, yeah, yeah. and, maybe, and it might, maybe that's peace, maybe that's nirvana or your your spiritual bliss. But uh, yeah, for me it worked out pretty well. 
Right. Chris Baki, finding love across the pot. <laughs> so I was just, I don't know, mind me, I was just uh, being random there. All right. So, okay. After, you, you know, you found love, she was a translator, worked out, you're, you know, you're, you're teaching English. When did you decide that, hey, I, let's go to Thailand? Well, we basically, we were finishing up uh, our time in Korea. It was about four and a half years into Korea where I began going, I've basically done everything I can do in this country. I've traveled more than 95% of Koreans have in Korea. Uh, I'm finishing up my book at the time. It's Weird and Wonderful Korea. It's about 100 plus of Korea's just most unusual, most bizarre sort of destinations. I'm wrapping that up, and I'm hearing from my friends, my mm-hmm. good lifelong friends that are in Korea now. You know, They're married to a Korean. They have a different kind of visa, so they have more opportunities. They have also studied Korean. And so their set of opportunities is very much based on them staying in the country and being a lifer, basically. Right. Gotcha. Um, I did not uh, fall in love with a Korean, unfortunately. And I did not really want to study Korean intensively. Mm. So um, you get to a point where you kind of look around and you go, okay, I think I've done about everything I can do here. It's time to move on. Mm. Uh, we chose Thailand because uh, my wife, Laura, had uh, traveled and taught there before. So there's some familiarity with the country, some some idea of what's to come. And that was as good a starting point as any. So we basically said, let's give a year in Thailand and let's see if we can do this lifestyle. She can translate, I can write and do photography and kind of leave the teaching life behind and see if it works. And um, I'm happy to report it's working. Uh, We're a year and a half on now. We'll be in Thailand for another six months or so. And from there, we have uh, some other plans to travel more. Awesome, awesome. All right, now, you you touched on a few things there. I want you to to talk a little bit more. Uh, The first one is, how do you, what type of books do you write? I I know a little bit about it, but I want you to explain to the audience your your style and the type of books you write and maybe where they can find that. Um, And then I'll go into the second question. Okay. Uh, Most of the books I write are guidebooks. They're specifically intended to help you with one thing or another. Uh, The most recent book I wrote is Weird and Wonderful Korea. Uh, It's a guidebook to Korea's most unusual and bizarre destinations. The next book I'm working on is is kind of a follow-up guide like that about Thailand. It's going to highlight the country's most unusual and bizarre destination. So it's going to cover the whole country, basically. Mm. Uh, some of the itineraries I write are about a city or a region. So, for example, I have a guide that's called Three Days in Bangkok. I've got a guide called Seven Days in Central Thailand. So if, you're going to, if you know you're coming to that area for a given length of time, you can do all the research yourself and you can you know, try to plan everything out. Or you can say hey, this guy's already done the research. He's already traveled to these places. He already knows how to get from A to B to C, and he's already figured out the best way to do it. So five to ten bucks, and it's done for you. Wow, yeah. You save all all that kind of time. Uh, So, yeah, uh, some of the books I've I've written in the past uh, were language guides. I wrote a book called Korean Made Easy, which is uh, an irreverent guide to the basics of the Korean language. Um... One thing, I, one thing I saw when I was trying to pick up Korean, 
I saw all of these different books that were trying to teach Korean that you'd never use. Like, you will never need to know the phrase, I am wearing a green sweater in any language. <laughs> so why teach it? Why is that in a book? You need to know where is the bathroom. You need to know one beer, please. And you might need to know a couple of curse words just in case, you know, you ever get pushed around a bit. Yeah, so, yeah well. You, basically, yeah. <laughs> So the, the idea was to learn the Korean you might actually use, and that's the numbers, that's, the, that's some of the basics, and, and then just kind of let it go. You, know, uh, you might want to know some, some commands to use in the teaching world, so those are in there. And it's, it's not meant to be a full-fledged vocabulary book. There's plenty of those out there, but for the basics, that's what it's there for. No, I love it. And, and you know, the thing that I really, really, this is why I really want to have you on the show is I think you come at it from a unique uh, point of view. You actually write in as a, a reader would want to be or a traveler would be traveler would want to um, experience travel. I mean, it's not you're not using, a, you know, any of these vernacular where it's like, oh, this is some, some, something you're saying. This is what you want to know. This is what you need to know. So exactly. I'm giving it to you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss wow nice yeah what you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on bomba socks underwear and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds yeah that plush and the best part for every item you purchase bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Exactly. Yeah, and one of, one of the things you like you see in, a, in the travel magazines or the articles you see online, a lot of the places, they give you the address and the phone number place. Yeah. And I kind of go, okay. In a country like Thailand, where the person that's going to pick up the phone is going to be rattling off rapid-fire Thai, how helpful is that phone number? Mm-hmm. And if I, if, I, if, if I give you the address to a place, so, so okay, you're in, you're in New York. If I say, let's meet at the corner of 11th Street and Broadway, just I don't even know if those two streets connect. Yeah. But you know, if I say, let's meet at that corner, we both have a really good idea of where that is. You don't have that in Thailand. The street address system, even with Google Maps help, can be kind of crazy. Uh, you, you could even show an address in Thai to a Thai person, a local Thai person, and they'll stand there often scratching their head like a monkey trying to do a math problem. <laughs> it, is, it is the craziest thing to watch, and you go, how, how do you not know this? This is, your, this is your language. This is the address. So what I've done in all of my books and all of my itineraries is I've gone to a system of location that will work no matter who you are, where you are, what device you use, and it's GPS coordinates. Hmm. And what these do is they give you the exact location in a series of numbers that tells you exactly where it is and how to get there without having to resort to what's that street called again or I didn't see that street sign 
or was that before or after the red building? No, you type in the GPS coordinates into your phone, into Google Maps or whatever, and it points you the way there. No, I love it because for someone like me who's traveled and lived in, you know, in several continents, I am very, very directionally challenged. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so GPS coordinates, I actually use my phone all the time, uh, a lot of that. Even in New York City, I'm New York City. The great thing about New York City here is you can get lost and you know you're going to find your way. It's just oh, gonna, yeah. it's just going to happen. So I, I love that. But um, that is something that I would definitely be using heavily for sure. Just exactly, I, I haven't been able to memorize anything. So exactly. <laughs> I, so yeah. So that that's built that's built into all the itineraries and the like. The addresses are still there if you need them. But right. it's the sort of thing where if I'd be, I'd be very surprised if you found the address more useful than the GPS coordinates, just because. I, I, in six years, I think I've used an address to find a place maybe twice. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a different. I mean, even even marketers use. I mean, the GPS coordinates. Everyone's using it, and it's just the way the world is going. You know, with smartphones and all that. It's like, what's your GPS coordinate, and we'll find you. So, um, I think exactly. that's. I think it's very smart and progressive. Where can we find his books? Uh, they're all on my website, oneweirdglobe.com. Uh, a lot of them are on Amazon as well. If you search for my name, Chris Bakke, you'll find them all. That's okay. B-A-C-K-E. Okay. Uh, and if you're searching for a specific city, you can look for Bangkok. I've got Chiang Mai in northern Thailand. Mm -hmm. I've got a couple of regions to work with, uh, northern Thailand and central Thailand. I've also written guides to Seoul both like a normal sort of mainstream view and uh, the offbeat weird side of Seoul. Um, and one of the bigger guides I've actually written is a week's travel around South Korea to the weirdest places there are. Yeah, so if you've, got, if you've got a week and you want to just, just go to some places most tourists never even know exist, that's, where, that's the one again. All right, all right. Yeah, another question that I usually dive into these podcasts is the question of identity. And, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, as an American in South, uh, South Asia, uh, you probably stick out quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just curious as to, you know, how you've resolved that feeling of home, how you fit in, different things and uh, tips that maybe you can offer the audience as to uh, what you normally do when you try to connect to people. But um, just that, how do you do all that? Well, home is an abstract that gets difficult to think about the more you live in different places. For me, home is where the Wi-Fi connects automatically. <laughs> it's uh, it's not it's it's not a physical location necessarily. It's not a place that's close to people I know. Uh, my home is where my stuff is. It's where the Wi-Fi connects automatically and it's the sort of thing where when it's time to go one place you, you basically you, you say thank you in a way and you move on to a new place and once you've kind of set in, settled in you call that new place home. So it kind of feels like a, a moving target sometimes but at other times it also feels like a choice that I choose to make this place a home. Wow! This is yeah. This place is not. This place is not my home because I grew up here or because I was born here. This place is my home because this is where I choose to be. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I've been I've been asking this home question. I've heard home is where you know my suitcases, which I love. Home is where I feel most centered, 
and then you just came out with Homer's where the Wi-Fi connects automatically, so digital. <laughs> and you're so, it's essentially a digital nomad. That encapsulates who you are. All right. No, yeah. I, I love that. Um, okay. So Homer's where the Wi-Fi connects automatically. What about, say, you, you get into you know Bangkok uh, or you know I used to live in Vietnam. I visited ba- uh, Bangkok as well. But well, what's the first thing you do to connect to someone? What's the first thing you do to just make sure, hey, I got to make sure that um, I feel at home? Well, one of the first things is to really try to figure out and feel out the neighborhood, feel out the area. Uh, when we first move into a place, we'll try to uh, explore. Um, like, for example, uh, at the end of this month, we're going to be leaving uh, where we are right now in Con Ken, and we'll be going uh, somewhere down south. So we've already kind of figured out the rough uh, itinerary, if you will. We will be uh, getting down there getting our stuff in a hotel, get a hotel for a few days, and uh, take a day to explore, just try to get to feel out the area. Uh, you can only le- you can learn a lot about an area, like online and reviews about destinations and such, but you can't really get the color of a place until you get there for yourself. Okay. So uh, one, one of the first things we do is to, is to try to feel connected with what's around. It's, it's really easy to not know your next door neighbor's name and I'll be honest I still don't know my next door neighbor's name <laughs> but um, you could but you you can all you can know in the span of a day where a good pizza place is mm. you can know in the span of a day of exploring if there's a good place to get a beer or just sit outside and chill somewhere um, yeah so I'd say the, the, the way to start making a place feel like home is to explore and to make this place feel like home, you know, it, it, home is, oh man, uh, home can sometimes be like love, mm. you know, you choose it, it's yeah. something you choose to do, it's a place you choose to be, and make it happen. Gotcha. So. gotcha. No, I love it, um, I, you know, all the themes you're drawing that I definitely relate to, um, I live in New York City. That's not a secret anymore at this point. I think I've mentioned it three times there. Uh, I, I want you to, and I, what I love about it is the cultural diversity. Um, you know, and I, as a Nigerian, you know, you know, the, we can see the world almost in New York City and big cities, London, and uh, other countries like that. What is it like living in uh, Thailand? Well, Thailand. Um it's it's got a first world slash sort of second world vibe to it, and it really depends on how much money you want to spend. If you've got two hundred bucks a night, you can stay in Bangkok's fanciest, swankiest hotel, and never come across a person that would look like they're in place in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the further you get from the big cities, the more the more real it feels like it gets. Um, you have running water and hot water and all this other stuff, but you get to a, a bus stop in the middle of nowhere and you're going to find a squatty potty. Mm. Uh, you're going to find places where toilet paper is the optional thing you bring with you and not the thing that's already there waiting for you. Uh, you're going to find a lot of different food choices from from the local uh, meat on a stick to your fanciest filet mignon and your seafood. Um, it's really hard to kind of summarize Thailand in, in, 
in just a few words, really. Um, I think the thing that makes it interesting is that there are plenty of opportunities at whatever at whatever price point you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. If you've got the 200 bucks a night to blow, you can stay in an awesome five-star hotel. And if you're coming as a backpacker or coming as a bootstrapper, there are guest houses for five, ten bucks a night. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I think that you know the struggle that you had there, putting in words, is exactly. That's probably exactly what Thailand is, because even I was there for four days, and that's that's exactly what I saw. Um, you know, it's almost like you can't give one adjective to it. It's just like. You have this, you have that, and you have this, and in um, several countries that I've, you know, I've grown up with, there's such a huge, uh, I can't, what's the word, disparity. Sometimes you have huge mm-hmm. mansions, and then maybe two blocks away, you can see, a, you know, a village or something like that. And yeah. it's, um, but I, th- I think it's, you know, I think it's very vibrant from when I was there, and um, <laughs> and it's like you said, you can make it what you want it to be actually. So depending exactly. on where you go. When it comes to Bangkok, I usually, like I describe it in my book this way, it's a city of extremes. Yep. You've got the extreme heat, you've got the extreme air con, you've got extreme friendliness from some people and extreme uh, rip-offingness from, from others. Uh, <laughs> it's the, the, the idea of a balance is something you have to find for yourself amidst these extremes. Gotcha. Um, like you'll you'll be honest you'll be like you'll be on the uh, the BTS the SkyTrain across Bangkok, and the aircon will be on at like 16 degrees C, just as cold as it can get, hmm. and and you'll get you'll take two steps off the train, and your glasses will go from normal to fogged because you went from 16 degrees C to Bangkok's 32 C with 85 percent humidity. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and yeah, you, you actually, I've noticed this. I've done it without thinking myself. I'll be walking down the stairs because I know where they are. I take off the glasses. I wipe them off with my shirt. And I and it'll, don't even think about it being weird anymore because yeah. it's just what you do to adapt to the extremes. Yep. And then you, you hit on it there. Adaptability is uh, something that you pick up when you travel in many countries. Exactly. Uh, that is the key thing there. All right. All right. Exactly. So... I, uh, my mission statement, we're going to wrap up soon. My mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. Um, I, I think, I, you know, I, I try to live by this every day. Uh, what is one way, Chris, that you use your difference to make a difference? I get off beat. Uh, the regular sort of mainstream tourist destinations, they don't really do it for me. Mm. So I guess my difference is, is I like seeing what few other people have seen or get to see. So what I like, to, I, what I try to do is is make that uh, use that different uh, way of looking at things. Try to find the places that are worth going to and uh, and tell people about it on the blog. Yeah, and uh, you make a, an effort to do that on purpose too. It's like you do it on purpose. It's not a uh, yeah, exactly. It's not an accidental thing. Yeah, and, yeah. and for a lot of for a lot of like off the beaten path places, it does need to be an intentional go out and find it sort of thing gotcha. you will come you will come across places that are just along the way that you'll find that happened a couple times a few months ago actually okay. uh, we're just driving down the road and we see this huge uh, Buddha statue and we, and we go eh, that wasn't on our list we hadn't heard about that and so we checked it out and it turns out you actually walk through the, through the Buddhist statue 
Yeah. Yeah. You can actually walk through it, and it's um, that's, uh, that's crazy. It's a fancy word. Yeah, it's a circumambulation. Huh. Uh, based, so one of the things you do as a Buddhist, you might walk around one of the Buddha images, and um, so instead of walking all the way around the head of, of this uh, laying Buddha, you walk through hmm. the Buddha as you walk around him. Gotcha. Huh. So. Oh, you know what? I, I, just something. Just this is this is a re- relating to a question I asked earlier, and it just reminded me. You said home is where the Wi-Fi connects automatically. Um, you and I have been to enough countries to know that Wi-Fi is not the same in every, <laughs> in every country. That is very true. We uh, yeah. we're here in Clonken right now, and I can tell you for a fact that uh, we pay we pay a bit more than than usual to get the the top end uh, setup okay. of uh, of uh, internet landline. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Korea was spectacular with their internet, and there's a good reason they rank at or near the very top of uh, the Wi-Fi charts. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I brought that up is because I, I'm curious as a digital nomad like yourself, how do you deal with that? Because I can't imagine you going, you know, to a country and then Wi-Fi is really bad, and then you're thinking, well, you know, this is not going to work. So, what do you do? How do you supplement well, that? What, and- well, as far as well, this this far, we haven't yet had to be in a position where we were away from quality internet for long. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were looking for places, uh, when we lived in Chiang Mai, and we moved to Konken, where we are now, one of the first things we asked. When we're like we're looking at places is is there a landline based internet available in this apartment gotcha. this was this was the first thing we asked this was not something we waited till we got there and fell in love with the place mm-hmm. this was is this available and if so how fast is it if not can you get it in um, the place we live in now uh, did not have it but the landlord assured us that she could get it installed for us and we we made sure she understood how important it was for us to have not just not necessarily fast internet you can get fast internet if you pay for it but that it be more on the scale of reliable okay and so uh the second day we were here the uh the internet company came in and installed the uh the copper wire to to get everything set up and uh so that that's that's rocked pretty well now that's good now to make sure you know nomads wherever you're going it, you know you have to at least know the survey or the environment of of uh, the internet, just so you you're not taken aback or surprised. That's exactly, is what I'm hearing. Okay, yeah. So you, you taught us about um, the importance of knowing the Wi-Fi environment, the importance of actually understanding where you are, and by taking an an orthodox approach. I heard you talk about slow travel. I know a little bit about that, but I want you to explain that to the audience because that's something that I I'm not sure everybody knows. Yeah, sure. Um, basically, uh, and this is going to work differently for every person every time you talk about travel. Slow travel to my wife and I is the ability to live in a place instead of traveling through it. Um, what's worked for us over the past uh, year and a half has been about six months in each place. Now, that's mainly been chosen with a, sort of a calculated idea. Um, we've lived in different places in Thailand in order to meet a goal, you know. So you might have to stop and take a step back. What is your goal for living in Thailand? What are you hoping to do while uh, living in this country or this city? And for me, the the big goal has been my next book, the 
the weird uh, offbeat destination guidebook about Thailand. In order to accomplish that goal, I need to be in different parts of the country to have sort of a base. So we lived in Bangkok for six months in order to explore the central Thailand area. Gotcha. We moved to Chiang Mai in northern Thailand for about six months to explore the northern Thailand area. We're in Khon Ken, which is basically the capital of the, the region of, of Thailand, as a central base to go exploring around the area. Um, so slow travel means using a destination to accomplish your purpose. And now, so, so for example, if you tell yourself, I want to get certified in uh, yoga, or I want to be a certified yoga instructor, and so you do your research and you might find, oh, Chiang Mai has this really great program. It's a three-month-long program and you can learn how to do this and this and you get this kind of certification. So your goal is to become a certified yoga instructor and you look at how long is that going to take you and you say three months, maybe a little bit longer to, uh, to really ensure you get it down. And you make the choice to travel for that length of time or maybe longer. Um, it's not based on uh, how long your visa is, although that can play a role. It's based on your purpose. What are you there to do? Okay. All right. Slow travel based on your purpose. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. These are the fun rapid fire questions that I usually end with. And I'm sure you'd love this because you're, you know, you're all about the, the weird and strange. So country with the best food. Thailand. Oh, well, okay. You're just going to say. I'm, bi I'm biased. I'm biased. But there right. it is. There it is. You got to give me some. I, I was expecting like some rain. Okay, fine. Thailand. Fine. All right. I'll settle for that. <laughs> Every, but you know, you know what's funny though? I've been asking this series of questions and it's Thailand, Japan consistently. I mean, I hear a little bit of sprinkles of Peru. Um, and uh, every time everyone says Thailand, it just reminds me of how uh, dumb I feel for not actually trying Thai food when I was in Thailand. Well, you know, the, the best thing about Thai food, the best thing is that you get the whole variety. If you want to go vegan, you can get vegan. If you want to go Indian, you can get Indian. I'm in a small rural town of Thailand, six hours away from Bangkok, and there's a good Indian food restaurant. Go figure that one out. Wow. Okay. If you want street, yeah. If you want street food, there's street food. If you want for fine steak dining, you've got fine steak dining. You know. Uh, so it's it's not just that that it's excellent food. It's that there's an excellent variety at all the price points you'd get with uh, like a hotel stay or whatnot. I'm I'm going back. I need to just I need to try the food. So I, I, that was a <laughs> bad part of my side. All right, country with the best music. Mm, probably the U.S. 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 movies. You probably say the same thing. U.S. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, friendliest people. You know, Canada. Canada, eh? Really? Canada, yeah. Ah. We, we went for a few days uh, last Christmas to meet my wife's parents and had a great time there. It didn't have any problems, just uh, a lot of really friendly people, yeah. That, that's what everyone says, but I'm always you know, careful not to go by any stereotype because I, I, I always say that's a lazy way to understand a culture. But that is true, Canada, nice people. I don't think I've met a mean Canadian, actually. 
when I think of it. <laughs> you'd, you'd, have, you'd have to really piss someone off to, yeah. to get on their bad side, I think. <laughs> uh, all right, this is the last one here. When you – this is stereotype. I was just talking about stereotype. Which country did you go to admit that your mind completely changed about them? So maybe you thought, oh, I don't know, man, this country, I've heard you know, a lot of things. But then you went there and you were surprised. I think it was kind of like, I think Korea would be the place where that kind of happened. Um, when you first get to Korea, you've kind of got this idea that they're a little xenophobic, There's that they don't really like foreigners, and the fact is some Koreans are xenophobic, but mm. what you're finding is that that happens in the older generations. The younger generations, they've got the iPhone. They've got a strong command of what's happening in the in the American movies, mm-hmm. uh, they know more about pop culture in the U.S. than I do sometimes, yeah. um, and th- there's always like the the K-pop scene, and there's always plenty of uh, local stuff as well. But there's a fascination with uh, American and Western stuff, gotcha. and if you, if you can, if you're like like if you're teaching and you can find a way to tap into that, if you can be the source for some of their Western stuff, then you're gonna have a much more a much easier time teaching. Awesome. And just to clarify, you're talking about South Korea, right? Not, yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. All right. This is this is your your show now. Where can we find you? What are you up to? And uh, I'm on I'm on OneWeirdGlobe.com. Okay. And I am. Uh, you can find me on Amazon. I've also got my books on Barnes and Noble and Kobo, and a couple of them are on Apple, Apple's iBookstore as well. Uh, I also do some writing for a blog called Too Many Adapters. It's a travel-slash-tech blog, and that's where I put some of my stuff about uh, the, the, the tech side of traveling. What do you need to travel huh. when, you, when you go traveling? What kind of tech do you need? Gotcha. All right. Well, Chris Baki, you're the man. Really appreciate you spending time with me here and uh, dropping knowledge. So, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tayo. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.